Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016 I helped him launch his very first membership he had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership in his first launch he got a hundred and thirty members bringing him in about sixty thousand in income every year now He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, episode 191. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner, or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful, and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are you doing? Can you believe we're on episode 191? Now, I've been planning for a long time what we're going to do for episode 200. And so far I'm recording this and I still haven't organized anything like best intentions and all that. I, yeah, I try and be so organized. And you know what? I'm a million times better than I ever was. I, now I've got the team I've got, the structures in place, the systems, all that sort of good stuff. I am so much better than I was. However, I still need a lot of, like, there's still a lot of improvement to do. So there could be something amazingly special for episode 200, or it could just be like another one with my husband and I. Let me know. Like, we had great fun doing episode 100, being interviewed. So, and I got such nice feedback, which is lovely. So, you know, I might do that again. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, today we've got an interview. But before we get on with that, I want to let you know that Today, on Monday, the 24th of May, so just in case you're not listening to this live, I have opened the cart for my academy. So my academy is normally closed uh, because we like to focus on our members, but every so often I open it. And at the moment it's open. So from the 24th of May to the 28th of May, so it's only open for five days, we have opened the cart to the academy for you to join. Now, There are many, many, many reasons why you should join the Academy, but I'm going to let you go and discover them over on the Academy page, which is TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash Academy. But I do want to say a couple of things. Firstly, I want to just say that with a membership, it's a monthly payment. You get it cheaper if you sign up for the year, but it's a monthly payment you can cancel at any time. I think what happens and one of the misconceptions with memberships is that you've got to go in and do everything. And if you're not doing everything, then you're wasting your money. I want to let you know about how I use memberships and how I think memberships should be seen. I was in a membership with the membership guys for, I don't know, seven, eight months, I think, probably a bit longer. And while I was in that membership, I consumed a bit of the content, but nowhere near the amount they've got in there. They've got loads of content in there. But I had very specific questions that I needed answering, which I was able to get answered by Mike and Callie. I must have asked about three questions over that time and that was it. And am I happy with how much I spent on that membership for the content that I took out of it? 100% happy because to pay Mike and Kelly or to pay me directly to get some advice is 
considerably more than what you're paying in a membership. So the fact that I only asked three questions and got direct answers from them, people might think, well, what a waste, you know, you've wasted all that money. But the point is not at all. I always knew they were there. If I wanted to double check anything, I could go in and have a quick look at their content or I could, you know, see what, if they'd got a course on it or whatever. So for me, a membership is about providing you with different ways in which you can consume and engage in content that will help you improve your business that you can pick and choose from. This isn't, this is a buffet. This isn't an all you can eat. You know what I mean? This, now if you want to consume it all, consume it all, but this is definitely a, okay, today I need that to help me, or that's really useful. I want to ask that question in the Facebook group, or I'm going to get on a coaching call with Teresa where I get to physically talk to her and give her my question and she gets to answer it back. So that's the way I want you to look at a membership. And that's the way I look at memberships. So in my membership, you'll see on that page, there is loads of amazing things. We do challenges every other month, which my members love because it gets them moving on stuff. I give them actions and then they win prizes. So they have challenges. They have, oh gosh, my brain's going absolutely dead. <laughs> Literally saying like, I've been working on this stuff forever. I do it. I easily read this stuff. We do Obviously, we have courses in there. Every single month, we add another course. So we've got how to use Instagram, how to do reels, how to do stories, how to convert people from your emails to sales. We've got stuff around going live. We've got stuff around Facebook, Facebook ads, lead magnets, you name it, we've got it. We've got the coaching call every month. So you get on a video call with me on Zoom with whoever else wants to join us in the, in the academy. And I stay on and answer your questions. And I pretty much stay on as long as I need to, to get all your questions answered. So this is where you get direct advice from me. We've got the Facebook group, which is an amazing community. They're the most supportive, beautiful people in the world. And you can put questions in there. Me and others in there will come and answer them. We have got the mindset lives. So every single month I go live and I do a mindset exercise with you because mindset is so important. So you can join me for that. And we do things like values, getting over uh, limiting beliefs, creating new beliefs, things like imposter syndrome. We talk about all those things that might get in the way of running our businesses. So there's so much good stuff in there. So many good things to, to look at. So do please go and check out throwing forward slash sorry, treasythrown.com forward slash academy and have a look while the cart's open. The cart will shut, like I said, on the 28th and it will not open again for some time. Oh, and how could I possibly forget? We have got our online event, our virtual event that's happening at the end of June. Only members, no one else gets to join this other than members. And it's going to be a day and a half, almost two day event. I bring in only the best people to come and speak with me. It, this is not a conference where you just sit and watch and make notes. We do workshops together. We ask your feedback. We do things. The last saw we did, it's called saw the online event. The last one we did, oh, I've got the best feedback, the best. So, and in this one, we're going to do content creation with you. So we're going to help you create content for the next few months in your business, which like for a couple of hours afternoon work, that for me just sounds perfect. So there we go. That's why you should join. Please do go check it out before it shuts. Don't miss out this chance to be part of my amazing community. I love them to bits. They're my world, literally. Okay, let's get on with today's episode. So today we are interviewing the lovely Joanne Boyce. Now, Joanne came on the podcast to have a conversation with me all about inclusion and diversity in your social media. And it was wonderful. She was so, so insightful. And I have to say, I don't mind sharing with you that I get nervous about having these conversations. I get nervous that I might say the wrong thing, that I might mess up, that my stupidity will kick in and, and or my lack of knowledge on some things. But she was a wonderful guest and really made the conversation clear and easy to understand and gave some great practical ideas on what you can do in your business in order to ensure that you are being as inclusive and as diverse as possible. So Joanne is the founder of Social Detail, which is a social media agency that helps brands increase their brand awareness through social media. But her main focus and passion isn't, she's an avid advocate, 
I'm so bad at reading things, of diversity and inclusion. She has partnered with Shift to create diverse stock photography in useful for inclusive social marketing strategies. And she's a self-proclaimed software addict and enjoys conversations around social media, tech, and her favorite podcasts. Like I said, she gave such lovely practical advice and really gave me an insight more into this space. It's a conversation we need to keep having. We need to ensure we are being as inclusive and as diverse as we possibly can within our businesses, just so that we make everyone aware that they are welcome. You know, no matter where you come from, what you do, you know, whatever the differences you might have to other people, you are still welcome in our businesses. And that's what this sort of podcast is about. So I hope you'll enjoy it. Like I said, she was really good fun to talk to. I really enjoyed the conversation. She was particularly really helpful, gave me some great links to some different things. So I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Over to Joanne. Okay. I am really excited to welcome to the podcast today, the lovely Joanne Boyce. Joanne, welcome. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be My here. My absolute pleasure. I was literally just saying to Joanne before we got on that it was like the universe was telling me I needed to get her on the podcast. There was lots of things going, well, look, there's this lady again. Oh, there's this lady again. So I'm really excited to talk to you. But before we get started, and as always, how I start every interview, tell us a bit about who you are and how you got to do what you're doing today. Ooh, that's a journey and a half. Um, Good stuff. We like a story. (laughs) um, Like mentioned, my name is Joanne Boyce. I'm an inclusive marketing consultant, founder of The Social Detail and founder of a new software called Include. Very, very um, Exciting. exciting times, but anxious times as well. Um, essentially, I started as a social media marketing agency, so doing social media management for small businesses, tech companies, from everything from, you know, creating copy to thinking of a random TikTok idea and recording it in the middle of the street. The range of things, the things you do as a social media manager that no one else <laughs> knows the pain you go through. Yeah. But um, as doing that in my business and being based in Bristol, I started to see my perspective being unique in a way um, for many reasons. But one of the clients I had, Black Girl Convention, I remember going to an event and another marketer was like, oh, how did you create content for them? How were you inspired to create content for them? And I was just like, I don't see what would be different to them to any other client. And then I realized later on that that marketer's limitations was that because the audience was targeting Black women, they thought it would be hard to create a um, a variety of content. So that kind right. of started my journey. And also I, in starting my business, like most business owners, you want stock photos for your website because you can't afford a photo shoot. Of course. So I remember searching for stock photos of like feminine, black, dark skin hands on a keyboard. Couldn't find it on any of the free websites. And that was that is- a whole other side of things where I was just like, hold on, one side of my work is saying, that is not there. And then the other side is not helping me to find the content. Yeah. So as most entrepreneurs do, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, gonna find a way to solve this. Yeah. So that's when I started teaching and training inclusive marketing and different strategies and how people can implement it so we can have long-term change in the future. I love that. And but isn't it funny until you start doing something that one I can't actually believe someone was like, how do you come up with content? Well how do you come up with content? Like, do you know what I mean? You know, because I could imagine they are probably creating content for other brands, you know, that are not race specific per se. Mm-hmm. And I bet they've never questioned how they come up with content. So why on earth should it be, be any different? And then the stock image thing, that is, that's nuts. Stock images is, is a whole, it's like, so that was about 2017. It's slightly gotten better, but it's still really bad. Like you have to put in pretty niche things and the stock images are like the perfect cycle of a, a business in itself. They provide yeah. what people request, but mm. because people aren't necessarily requesting directly certain things, they're thinking it's not in high demand, but it's more likely that they're just going elsewhere or they're just using because they don't have the option. Yeah. But yeah, the stock image one. So that one led to me doing a project with a company called TechSpark and we created our own stock images. So sometimes my face randomly pops up in places. I'm like, that, that's not, I, I, didn't, that. I didn't do that. Yeah. Like I'm now advertising this thing that I didn't know anything about. That is brilliant. But 
you know what's really interesting just touching on the stock image thing is the not just having people of color but every possible difference body size disability everything there's literally so and my list is probably 15 strong at the moment of niche websites that are catering to what's been missed body imagery were had at a real peak before the pandemic now it's more about different skin tones and disability there's not representation outside of the generic oh this person in a wheelchair this disability in itself and the community is so broad and so wide that they're not represented yeah. in stock and and they're not and i think the problem is we forever have been what is a version of the most perfect look you know and it's like and i guess or i guess that's my assumption of why these things have never come up because you know people want and, and well i'd say people used to want mm-hmm. it the most perfect look now people want authenticity i think mm-hmm. but that has also got to still include you know having people from so many different diverse backgrounds yeah and i don't know I'm interested to hear your take on this in terms of you started a business where it you saw a massive gap and were like, hang on a minute, what is going on over here? And therefore you brought yourself into it. So you've been in this obviously a lot longer than maybe people have been trying to catch up with you. Yeah. Where do you see, how do you see it today? Well, where did it start and how do you see it today? Has it moved on as much as you would like so it's moved on a lot because when i first started and i was using the title inclusive marketing consultants people were thinking of all inclusive packages it wasn't it wasn't anything to do with dni like there wasn't any big right even now there's only a couple of people that are like coming out and talking about inclusive marketing in that sense and when i say inclusive marketing i mean looking at who you're targeting and the diversity within that Whereas I think people are now coming on board with that, where before it would be, oh, we're going to do a campaign for LGBT Awareness Month. That's diversity. We're going to do a campaign for Mother's Day. That's it. Women there. Now it's like, no, no, there's 365 days. Let's look at how you can include it all those days as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think think you're right. I think with everything that's happened over the past 12 months, with what happened with George Floyd, which, you know, which it'd be interesting to get your take but certainly from my take it was like suddenly that was accelerated beyond belief did you see that or what effect did you see that having it it had the effect where the conversation started happening outside of black and brown people and that that was necessary that was needed because the unfortunate murder of george floyd is not unfortunately not uncommon it it happens far too regularly and it's even happened quite recently as well another case But what was interesting this time around is brands making public commitments, which they've not done before. The only thing I would say I think is the next step of this is the following up. Like I treat inclusive marketing like any other business initiative. You set your goals, you follow up in a quarter, whereas things change a little bit with brands publicly saying we are anti-racism, we are anti-hate. But the follow-up is like, okay, you posted your black square. Where, where's the change in your content? Where's the change in the models you're using? Where's yeah. the change in your targeting? What are the results mm-hmm. saying? What are you doing? Like, where's the actual data behind it? Mm. Yeah, you're right. And and also, I think when people then, I mean, again, you're you're far more the expert than me. But when people then thought of diversity and and and, in, and inclusion, they were thinking people of color. They weren't necessarily then thinking of, you know, I'm just thinking about, I use a couple of stock images as stock sites that are like, um, they're not like your shutter stock. So basically you subscribe and then they provide you images every month or, you know, the sort. Mm. And and I'm seeing a huge increase in when there's a picture of someone holding a cup, you have one with a white hand and one with a black hand and one, you know, but that's it. Like, do you know what I mean? Intentionality is not there yet. No. And, and, you know, you almost have to go, yeah, well done. You know, we've, you've made a step and that's cool, but there is so much more, you know, of different ethnicities, different, you know, ways of living and life and, and people. And, you know, my, my own brother's special needs, he has a uh, social syndrome and, you know, and what was amazing in one of the stories that I think I've told on my podcast before, but uh, when my brother um, joined social media, he found a SOTOS syndrome group. And he found his people. Mm-hmm. And like, 
oh God, it was like his world turned on its head. It was the best thing that's ever happened to him. He found people who knew what he was going through because it's a very unique syndrome. He then, they started like having get togethers and they would go on a weekend away and he could go and, and kind of feel like he belonged. And I guess up until that point, he had never really truly felt like that was the case. And when you think about, you know, even when people do try and add in that element, there's, it's like, there's that whole risk of they're trying to tick a box and yeah. that has got to be the worst thing in the world, hasn't it? And that's the thing that I, that's why I look at it more as a business initiative. It's like, you shouldn't be posting something if it doesn't have alt text. It, that's just, it just shouldn't go out. That's just a general rule. Yeah. It's not something to do oh, we're going to do it just because we're talking about disability. It's like, no, let's do it consistently. And is that story with your brothers is amazing because that's the other thing I always emphasize. No matter the sector you're in, there are communities out there working in that sector, doing that things that are diverse in ways you have not imagined. There are yeah. the latest, like one, um, a client I was working with recently, they're like, oh, we don't really find a lot of um, Black gamers or women gamers. And I'm like, there's a whole community called Black Girl Gamers. There's a whole community yeah. called Disability Gamers. There's, but you're just not in those communities. You're just not there. You're not even trying to look for them. And if they're yeah. on socials and they're on these platforms, you can market to them. So reach out, mm -hmm. engage, and like make an effort, a conscious effort, not just you know follow the account and never say anything. Be part mm -hmm. of that community. Put in the effort. Yeah. So you said something about the old text, which I want to come back to. But before we come to that, I'm just going to write it down because I have the worst memory, <laughs> just so you know. I want to talk about, obviously, most of my listeners are small business owners. And I know we, you know, we will touch upon the things they can do, things like old text. But I just want to touch on something that happened at Christmas, I think it was. Because like I said, there are brands that are going, okay, we've we've not performed the way we should have done up until this point. And one of those brands that then came out with an ad that caused quite a lot of uh, friction on Twitter was Sainsbury's. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if, if you're nodding, so I assume you're very familiar with it. Uh, I don't know if my listeners are familiar with it, but basically, um, if I can remember rightly, it was a, they were showing families within their own home situation because obviously they weren't going to be going out and meeting friends and, and doing things because we were on lockdown. And they the first set of ads, because they had several of this series, was a Black family, wasn't it? If I remember that correctly. Yeah. And, and basically, from what I saw on Twitter and in news feeds, is that people were saying that this wasn't a right representation of Sainsbury's and people. And they got really angry about it, which I just like literally blows my mind. So can you give me your take on, on A, kind of what happened, but also the fact of, you know, how how is that for a company that then goes, you know, we're going to make a purpose to ensure that we are being inclusive and then they get that backlash? So there's two aspects to it. Follow me on a slight journey. So if you remember the first car you got and when you got mm -hmm. that, you've ne probably never seen that car around, but you saw it everywhere. Yeah. That's what's happening now with people and their awareness of Black people on screens. Okay. Because some people who have never thought about race before have now had some kind of conversation or some kind of awareness to it, they're ultra sensitive to any form of representation of a Black person. But when you look at the statistics and numbers of, like you said, Sainsbury's did a set of campaigns, and that was yeah. one. Yeah. It, it, it blew their mind. So that's where the, the public reaction comes back to it. But in terms of Sainsbury's aspect of it, that was the first time, like with anything, with, with any form of marketing, any type of business, the first time you do something is going to go sky high or completely crash. It's mm -hmm. the times after that, that you need to look at and see what the results are. And what mm -hmm. was really interesting with that Sainsbury's ad is that they just showed a Black family talking about gravy. Gravy is probably one of the most British things. Literally. <laughs> like <laughs> gravy, like, but it... What also made a difference, it wasn't anything about them being arrested. It wasn't any crime. It wasn't any stereotypes of Blackness, which also made people who are not used to seeing that uncomfortable. But that's why it needs to be done, because then it will become normalised. Like, oh, yeah, Black people have gravy at dinner. Like, I, like who knew? You know, how ridiculous. Like, honestly, that, it blew my mind. And what was interesting, because I, I briefly went onto Twitter, I really tried not to get 
generally tied into too much new stuff, if I'm honest. But, you know, when you just fall down a hole and you're like, oh, two hours later, I'll come out of that. And also, I think sometimes some of the stuff you read is so horrific that, like, you then can't help but almost want to be jumping in there and, and having a conversation. And so I was reading this stuff and, and a lot of people were like, well, that's it. I'm never going back to Sainsbury's then. Right. Because of the fact that they put a black family in an advert. And then what was lovely was so many and, and even high profile people coming back going, oh, that's brilliant because I don't want a shop where racist shop. Thank you very yeah. much. Like, you know, and, but I just can't, well, I suppose I, I should believe it. I've been in social media long enough to know that everyone has a voice, unfortunately, and some people really shouldn't use that voice. But but it was, I I could see it from two aspects. Like you said, I could see it from the, like, that is disgusting what is now happening, but also see it from the, that's really interesting for Sainsbury's and, and as a business, how or what, how they would deal with that and feel about it and, and be affected by it. But, you know, I think if anybody sat listening to, to us talking, they're thinking in your own business, this they were Sainsbury's, they're massive, yeah. you know, that and suddenly that that created a big storm, you know, whereas that's not necessarily what we're talking about. But so and they were consistent so, with it. No one would have that outrage if Fenty did it or if um yeah. Sports did it or Nike. Like they have certain outrages for those, but the outrage that they have is not the representation of black and brown people and those brands because they've been doing it. It's because Sainsbury's have now stepped into the game. Yeah, and I think I think Sainsbury's probably in the past have been very guilty of having this very particular image of their shopper, and they've always fit that image. Whereas the truth is now, it's, you know, and probably for a very long time, our cultures are so diverse. We have such a wide range of people that you know go and shop in our supermarkets that you just can't do that. You can't, you know, it isn't just that one person. But like you said, that's really interesting that it's not a lot of the reaction was because they'd never seen it from Sainsbury's before. And if it had been a brand where they were very used to seeing a big, diverse range of people, then they wouldn't have said anything about it, would they? Okay, cool. So let's talk about what are we doing? Like, what should we be doing in our own businesses? Because I remember a little while back, I had someone else, and I say a little while back, it's probably quite a while back now, thinking about it. Um, I had someone else talking about inclusion in marketing. And I think for me, like I said, you, one, kept coming into my world, but two, we need to keep talking about it. I can't just tick off one episode and go, there you go, everybody, you know what you're doing, I'll leave you to it, see you later. You know, we can't do that. We, we need to make sure that this is a, like you said, this is almost as conversational as consistent content or coming up with you know, using hashtags or, you know, it's like, no, that's just part of the makeup of, of everything that you do now. So, so once a conversation about this again, in terms of like, you know, what should we physically be doing in terms of ensuring, because one of the things, sorry, I remember where I was going there with that. Um, one of the things that uh, the lady said before that I had on was talking about the fact of you need to put yourself in circles that you weren't in before. And actually I have, I did that very purposely to ensure that I was, I guess in in circles of people and experts that maybe weren't within the circle I was, you know, seeing and following, and that certainly helped. Um, but I I think, like I said, this isn't just a oh great yeah you did that one thing now you know you're fine you're done. This is like a constant moving on thing. And I think you said in particular the alt text thing that was one of the things that spurred me on to, to kind of have you on and talk about stuff like that. So can you give us some? Now I've just rambled on for literally ages. Honestly, <laughs> my my, my audience was like, will you let her talk? For Christ's sake, please, we hear you every week. I'm so sorry. So some ideas of how we can be more inclusive in our marketing. So I like to, I'm a very, so I'm currently studying a day science master's. So I'm very kind of practical data driven. Cool. So I'll add a caveat to the advice you were given before where, yes, put yourself in different circle, circles, but make sure it's sector specific. So one okay. of the things that happened after George Floyd and after any kind of situation is that a lot of people tend to reach out to organizations that are driving the forces and then they drop off because they yeah. just generally didn't have an interest in it. So mm. something I say to people is find your intersectional opposite in your business and your sector and engage with them because you have business to talk about, even though they are okay. different to you and different that could be gender, race, ability, whatever you can talk to them about business. Therefore, you have a reason to engage. You're not doing it just for the sake of. So when you say intersectional opposite, is that what you say? Yes. So Explain what, what you mean by that. 
intersectionality for me is probably the next phase of diversity and inclusion because right now we're looking at things very siloed of oh we're talking about black people and we're talking about yeah. women and we're talking about disabled people but there's a community yeah. of disabled black women how yeah. <laughs> like that that's an intersection that is a crossover yeah. and as a person you know yourself very well you know what your privileges are and what your they aren't so for me mm. as a non-disabled dys- dyslexic black woman who's like six foot four my intersectional opposite would be maybe a disabled wheelchair user who's a white male maybe a trans male living in scotland so there's a lot of things but we have marketing in common yes yeah so i can approach them and talk about marketing and that's the thing that people are like oh what would i talk to your subject area what you know yeah well what would you ordinarily talk to people about you know you're not and you're right you know, I wouldn't go and approach someone who was similar to me in a complete different sector just to be more diverse because I've got nothing to have a conversation with them. It doesn't matter what their their gender, their colour of their skin, their ability. None of that matters. I've got nothing to talk to them about or no reason to be in their world or for them to be in my world. So I love that. I love the kind of thinking of us as an opposite and thinking how would, you know, how, how would I approach those people? So so that's cool. So getting in those worlds is, is great. So what other things can we do? And then find a way to make it in your consistent routine. So one of the things I kind of recommend in terms of accessibility on social that people could implement today is adding alt text to your images. So yeah. as you are creating an image for almost every platform, I haven't checked, TikTok is rolling out some accessibility stuff, but Twitter, what people tend to do, you can add alt text directly if you're posting from online. But another thing the disabled community does is add it under the tweet. So there's a description of the image in a thread tweet. Okay. And then that gives the person, okay, I can scroll down and see what the description was. And Instagram and Facebook, you can actually go and add it to the back of the image. So it's not on the front end. Another thing you can do is write your hashtags in camel case. So what that means is as Mm -hmm. a screen reader is reading your hashtags, because you can't put spaces in them, you're adding capitals yeah. at every word. So it helps the screen reader to say as a word individually rather than one long word. I always try and like, what is the best audible way to describe this one? Yeah, but you know what? That's, I remember the minute you said camel case, I knew exactly what you meant. Because years ago, when, when social media first started and I first started teaching on it, you know, a long time ago, um, it was like, we talked about camel case when using longer hashtags because you just couldn't make sense of the word. And then you'd have hashtag fails because people would read the wrong thing. But I never even thought about that. But actually, is there reading out hashtags that if it's in camel case, they will read it as that. Just coming back to the alt text on the images, what should we be putting as an alt text? Like, are we literally describing every single thing in the image? Are we giving them an overview? Are we, what elements are we pulling out of the image? So the best way I tend to describe is how would you describe the image in a tweet before we had extra characters? So what is important in that image to add context to the things you're talking about? Like for me, because of the subject matter I talk about, it's important for someone to understand that I'm coming as a Black woman. So I will always add that as a description of myself. But it may not always be necessary. If I was just talking about earrings, I just need to describe the main thing. So the text that I'm writing, the copy you're writing, and the image, that old text is adding satire to it. Mm. Okay. So anything else that we need to think about with our content? So let's talk images then in terms of being inclusive with our images. How do we do that more? So there's two main aspects. In terms of your stock photography, something that people from marginalized communities are used to is adding an extra description to a word. So if you're looking for professional woman, you might have to add disabled professional woman or wheelchair user or black woman. And sometimes if you're not used to having to add those descriptions, you tend to miss out. Mm -hmm. I always say to people, whatever image you're looking to use or stock you're looking to use, have a variety of that. So like you mentioned of holding a hand, okay, what are the different versions of that? And you can Mm -hmm. always include race and disability because there's always a variety in that area itself. So just adding an extra description, it might feel uncomfortable at first, typing in black, typing yeah. in Asian, typing in disabled, but you need to, we need to make those requests to stop companies in order for them to know that there's a demand for it. Yeah. And then the second one on image, if you're using content, um, user-generated content or anything by 
influencers or anyone out there that you're following, just ask their permission and make sure you're following people who are serving up a variety. So clothing is the best example. You Mm -hmm. can probably remember there was a dress. There was a dress that everyone was going famous about where that was like polka dots or something. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think I remember it. It was like doing nuts. I think it was like H&M or one of those brands. But if you took that dress, for example, and you wanted to make a post about it, you can find different influencers who have worn it to show how the dress looks on different people. Yeah. That's adding variety, but keeping your topic the same. So it's always keeping that thread of sector or topic and then adding the layers on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What about then? So let's take uh, my Instagram, for instance. My Instagram is predominantly me, my photos, or images that look like stock images, but they're not stock images. They are images of my hand or my laptop or my, you know, how do I ensure that I'm being diverse when I am promoting me? Do you, do you see what I mean? Like how, and also, so let's say, because like I said, I do, I am on some stock image sites where, you know, I'll, I'll either use them for inspiration or I will use some of their images. And so does it feel... Now, I suppose I'm asking the wrong question because it's only me who can feel that, but it feels a little bit like, like I am ticking the box by picking the, the hand that's the black hand with the cup. Should I feel like that or should I just feel like, well, no, I'm just, I want to use an image and I'm just representing different people in my audience. Just represent different people in your audience. But it's the consistency that will get be the downfall for a lot of people. Where yeah. if you only use that black hand holding a cup in Black History Month and never used it again, yeah. then your audience yeah. is likely to be like, oh, that was tokenistic. But if you're yeah. talking about a topic, say you're talking about outside of yourself, because I feel like when you're representing yourself, the best thing you can do to um, show inclusion is be authentic to yourself. So mm. talking about the parts of yourself that aren't widely known or that aren't societal acceptable for lack of a better phrase so me talking about my dyslexia is me putting a part of myself when I'm talking about my marketing and talking about things that will connect to other wider community that I'm personally not active in because I have my own qualms um yeah but in terms of if your subject matter is business owners who are stressed with software tools that's Mm -hmm. a subject matter that can affect anyone who's a business owner so then you have a variety of image choice there but when you're talking about yourself the best way to be inclusive with that is with your accessibility, but keep the image and the content in regards to you because that's it's you. You can't you're not changing. Yeah, yeah, no, and I and and I think when you said about talking about uh, being dyslexic, I think I've done very a small amount of, but I have. I did a whole podcast episode on the fact that I've suffered from anxiety for years and years and years, and it was something that I kept very private for a very long time because I didn't want anybody to know. And I and I felt that there were lots of things that people might say or think about me if they knew it. And I think showing that, I got a whole host of conversation back at me, everything positive, like, you know, the fact of, I guess, I guess in one way that I was, they could um, resonate with me more because I, I showed that side of mm-hmm. me. Because the side that they see and the side that, you know, is, is the public side of me is, is really, and I am pretty upbeat most of the time. I do have a naturally smiley face. I like smiling and laughing. Like, you know, so it's not like you're seeing a part of me that isn't me, but it was just like, you know, there is this other side and I, and I learned to manage it and I learned to work with it and, and I can still go out there and do a, you know, a whole host of things, you know, even though I have this thing. So I guess, I guess that is the, the key point. And, and as we said at the beginning, you know, it's not just about putting a cup with a black hand in it. It's not just about that one thing. Like I said, when I look at my brother and I look at, you know, his world, there is nothing that is, he can relate to at all. You know, there's no one in his world that he can look at and think, yeah, you know, he, as part of his disability, he also has a really bad stutter. So his communication skills and his language skills are really not great. And we had to, we needed to get some support for him. Um, And my mum passed away, we need to get some support for him. And we had to speak to people to say, we need it to be text. We need it to be text support because he can't speak at the speed the rest of us can. Mm -hmm. And Again, it's like, and like you said, anytime you add on one other element, suddenly life gets harder. 
So if you are living that life, I can't imagine. And I think when we talk about privilege and especially white privilege, there's been an awful lot on the social media space at the moment and some things happening with some very high profile people that are bringing this to the forefront again, is that we've never had to think about it. Like, And that's the, that's the main thing with the shift that's happening in marketing is where people are stepping away from generic content of individuals and just telling stories. Like if someone wants to write a story about your brother, the focus point shouldn't be his stutter, should be that he's doing whatever amazing thing he's doing. And that's yeah. what the narrative is changing, where it's like connecting with people, humanizing people beyond yeah. the things you just see. Because that that's the bit that, especially if you're part of a marginalized group, you're used to people only talking to you about what they see. And that's where the shift is coming. That's where a lot of people are waking up to white privilege because they've never had someone approach them and say, oh, you're white, so therefore X. Whereas everyone else in the world has had, oh, you're disabled, so therefore you must do X. Or you're black, you therefore must do X. And the fact that, you know, having to say what the, the type of person you are, and as a white person, I don't go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm white. Like, you just don't say anything. Whereas everybody else with every, you know, if you have a disability, if you have, you know, a, a, any different religion or any, you know, particular skin colour or it's like you have to announce that as part of, of who you are. And I think that's, it, it's such a, it's so important to understand that and to understand that we've never had to deal with that. You know, I've never had to deal with that. And therefore, I guess a bit with my brother, but, you know, and therefore I've got to step into understanding it. It can't just be a passive thing. It can't just be a, well, I don't say anything. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm inclusive in my family and in my life and, you know, but it can't be that. It's got to be, we've got to come from a place of understanding and, and a place of appreciating what it's like when someone looks at our world and thinks, I don't fit there. And that's where I think marketing has the power to change that. Because, you yeah. know, in a day-to-day life, especially with COVID, people aren't exposed to variety and that they yeah. learn from what they watch. There are people out there who only know of a disabled person as Forrest Gump. Like they haven't had any exposure. That is not like, they only know of like, I've done a lot of traveling and sometimes I will go to remote um, countries before COVID, obviously. Their only reference was Barack Obama. So they would call me Brack. That's their only reference. And that's the power of marketing. And that's why inclusive marketing is so important because we're shaping the narratives of people who don't have access to variety of individuals. Yeah, in order for them to gain a better understanding of, this amazing world that we have, which is full of difference and interest and stuff to understand and learn and, you know, be part of. And I, you know, I find that it was really interesting. I have a friend over in the States, um, uh, uh, my friend, Marion Bentley, and Bentley's black. And we went to an ice hockey game in Nashville, Southern America. And I sat in that ice hockey, ice hockey game and I had a really open conversation with Bentley and he was very open to have it with me, which was great. But I literally looked around the entire audience and I could probably pick out three black people in the entire audience. And I said to them, coming from the UK, I said, obviously, we have a lot of different ethnicities in the UK. I said, so, for instance, what if someone came in of a different ethnicity that wasn't black, but a different one? And they were like, oh, no, you like that would be really difficult, as in they would stand out and people would look and feel you know something was up and you know and and I just couldn't imagine and haven't you know which is why I have to put myself in that position to go okay let's imagine I'm sat there in a sea of another race and I'm one of three white people how would that make me feel how would I you know what would that do to me in my self-esteem or my you know I think that's why we have to literally go right this is what it's like. And imagine the flip of that. If every ice hockey campaign included a variety of people, then you went to the game. So this is where the marketing gets a little bit da- on the dangerous side. And then you okay. get to the game and the game is just of all white people. So this is where you yeah. have to balance the two. You want to encourage, because if the young people are not seeing it, if they're not seeing themselves or champion ice hockey, they're not going to join it. So you're going to 
it is a little bit of chicken and egg, but both need to be done. That's the unfortunate thing about like diversity and inclusion in the universe or the world itself. Everything needs to be done all at the same time. You just yeah. have control over what you can change. That is so, that is such a good point. Because like you said, if they, you know, produced adverts where they showed an audience of, you know, every type of ethnicity and every type of person, and then you rock up and go and it's like, hang on a minute, you know, because it really was like, it's very much, you know, a, a particular Southern white American person. And what about as well, like, obviously I do a lot of speaking and I've noticed more that the, the range of diversity on speaking panels and on, you know, who is speaking on stages is changing. How do you feel about that? And how, because I still feel like there's a lot of way to go, but what's your thoughts on things like that? So I, I find it quite interesting. So the current trend in public speaking sector is let's get 50% women and then we'll try the rest. Yeah. But what they're not necessarily looking at and going back to that, that advertising point as well, it's also a safety hazard because imagine you're advertising and you're showing people of different disabilities, but when they get to the stadium, they can't access anything or it's dangerous for them to access something. Yeah. So there's how many levels of it, but in the speaking realm, people are trying, but it's a little more stronger on the tokenistic side. Because when you look at the lineup, because speaking events and conferences and things like TEDx and all these things happen so frequently, you can literally pull up a grid of all the past speakers and see what the percentages are. And that's the bit where I'm just like, it's great that you got 50% gender, you got this diversity in this topic. And normally the only time they have representation of diversity is on the diversity panel, which is a whole other thing that happens. It's like, no, 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 there's experts that talk about the other things as well. You can't just roll out someone in a wheelchair to talk about disability things. Like they do have other interests and other areas of expertise. And, you know, and yeah, that's just... I think that's, that's just ridiculous. That's probably yeah. the next stage for the speaking sector of really doubling down on if we're going to have a conference on the topic, let's make sure that we have experts across the board in the different yeah. areas and the diversity is across the board, not just on this one panel. And can I say what's happened with me, which has been really interesting from my point of view, having a podcast a while back, quite a while back, I because when I first started my podcast, and I first started interviewing people, I, I interviewed people that either I knew or people I aspired to be like, or I I am in their audiences. And I'd never really given much thought about the diverseness of that sector. Because all I thought about was, oh, I love that person, they're amazing, they need to come on. I love that person, they're amazing, they need to come on. And I remember, and I was, we were talking before we got on, uh, you recently did an interview with my, my dear friend, Biz Paul. And uh, I remember talking to Biz Paul about it and saying, because he's always very good to have conversations about, uh, he's he reads a lot, he's very... Um, uh, what's the word? He educates himself a lot on this stuff. He's happy to debate and have conversation. So I said to him, I've just looked back at my podcast and I'm ashamed to say that pretty much everybody I've had is white. And most people were, well, yeah, either American or, or British and that was it. And and I was just like, that is not good. But what I found was I then made a a purposeful move to go, I need to ensure I am bringing other voices to this to this stage, you know, hypothetical stage. But what was interesting is the minute I started to, I started to get more people approach me. So without even buying a car thing, you start seeing it everywhere. Yeah. And and it was almost like, and I don't even think it was as deliberate as, oh, we can see she has had someone who represents us on her podcast. I'm going to approach her podcast. I don't even know that it was that deliberate, but for whatever was the thing, it happened. And then it became much more, a, you know, I'm a such and such expert. And I was like, yeah, great. I need an expert in that. And it just so happened that, you know, they had, you know, they were black or, you know, particularly kind of what, you know, and, and for me, it was like, that's awesome. That is so good that now I feel like my diversity is, is becoming more where I need and want it to be. But again, you know, we sit here talking about disabilities and, you know, and I don't think I've had anybody with any disabilities come onto the podcast. And, oh, no, no, I have. I have. I've had one person, uh, Andrew and Pete, Pete has a disability um, and is a wheelchair user. Um, but again, funny enough, I never even put two and two together and I thought about that because it's just Pete. You know what I mean? I don't sit here and go, oh, Pete, the 
a wheelchair user is on the podcast. It's ridiculous that I would think like that. Um, but yeah, so it, like you said, it's it's about kind of getting out into those those places and it's going, okay, the more I start doing this, the more it's going to keep happening. And, and the more I can provide a diverse approach to everything we do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need that, that data to know, okay, this is a time to step up on X thing. This is going back to relating it to, you know, it's a thing we have to all work at because we all have privileges and things that oppress us in different ways. And there are bits that we're going to be missing. And that's why I know I'm not visibly disabled to anyone. So they're not going to actively think of me in that manner. But I know I have yeah. a power to represent um, disabled communities when I'm speaking about marketing, because the representation yeah. tends to be in two aspects of, oh, poor them, or, oh my God, they're superheroes. Outside yeah. of that, they have lives, you know, they yeah. date, they do things, they, like, yeah. everyone has a life. Um, yeah. But that's where I'm looking more so in the machine learning. And that's why I'm doing the data science masters is because I want to apply that, that trigger, that reminder, so that when people are creating content and they're creating campaigns, yes, you can get wrapped up in that campaign, but let's look at your spread across the year. What was your representation then? Because sometimes you get so wrapped up in this one, like let's say Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's might pat themselves on the back for that campaign. And then the rest of the year, they never represent another black person. And then what happens is next Christmas when they do it again, they're going to get an absolute kick in from the, you know, not nice people in this world mm-hmm. because they're doing that. And it's like, like you said, whereas if they just go, well, this is it now, you can all get angry once, you can all decide you don't want to shop with us, which is absolutely fine, by the way. And then we will just continue to be this type of uh, company that has a huge range of, you know, people, disabilities, ethnicities, and it is what it is. But again, you know, it's just representing who is in the store. It's just representing, you know, the type of, of world we are in now. You actually mentioned on something I watched, I was doing my research before we got on, and you mentioned a TEDx talk uh, that I went and watched called Don't Touch My Hair. Ah, uh, yes, by Mina Fombo. And I'm going to link up to it in the show notes, as well as obviously your all your links, because, again... This is something I have never experienced, obviously. And therefore, when you said about it, I was like, what's what's this then? You know, as in like, I, I, I knew something, but I wanted to go and watch the TEDx talk. And then she showed this brilliant bit of clip of research she did where she went and started randomly touching people's hair. And it was the weirdest, most awkward thing in the world. And these people were like, what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah. literally like, this weird woman's touching my hair. And... And then she likens it to the fact of when you're pregnant and I, I have a daughter, I've been pregnant and people just randomly touch your stomach. And it's like, do you want to get your hands off my stomach? Thanks very much. You know, who the hell do you think you are? But she very rightly says, you know, you're pregnant for nine months, you know, so, so you only have to deal with that for nine months. And yeah, this is something she would have to deal with forever. And, and it's just, you know, again, it's that understanding of, we've got to make sure we put ourselves in those situations where we understand what other people are going through and what it's like, you know, again, bringing back to my brother, when he was little, he used to have to wear this, he has scoliosis, it's part of his disability, part of the the syndrome. And he used to wear a plastic jacket that we had to strap him into every day. And he used to wear a vest under the jacket because it would rub. And then he would wear this plastic jacket and then he'd wear his top on top. And when it was summer and hot, he would just wear the jacket and his vest and he wouldn't wear the top on top. So his his plastic jacket was exposed. And I mean, it was like a straight jacket. It was like, well, not a straight jacket, but like a corset almost, but really tight to try and bend his spine back. And you'd get adults. And obviously I was a child at the time, but even I saw it, you'd get adults who would be looking and they'd be, you know, they wouldn't want to say anything. Or And then you'd get children who go, what's that? Right. And it was great and refreshing because you'd go, he's got a coverage of the spine. And that helps his spine try and straighten up. And that's why he wears it. And they go, all right, great. And then they'd crack on. And they wouldn't think anything of it. There's so much we can learn from children on that. Because um, the best example of that I've had recent, well, not recently, a while now, was around pronouns. And there's this thing where people, when they mess up someone's pronouns, they Mm -hmm. over-apologize. And they want to go out. But really what the person wants is, oh, okay, no, it's this. All right, cool, I'll try next time. And then you carry on the conversation. Yeah. And 
it, it hit me differently because it was the same thing I have when like the hair situation happens. Oh, I don't want you to touch my hair. Why don't you want me to? And it becomes a conversation. It's like, no, I don't want it to be a conversation. It's just a statement. Let's move on. And that, that level of, I guess, innocence kids have where it's like, okay, I have the understanding. I'm going to move back on. Adults think they need to either over-apologize or yeah. have the person has to educate them. Then there's not yeah. a requirement there. Yeah. And that's really funny, actually, especially thinking about kids where with the, the pronouns in particular, if they got it wrong, they go, oh, right, okay, yeah. And they try again. If they got it wrong again, they go, oh, yeah, sorry. Like, or they would just be like, oh, silly me or whatever. Again, they wouldn't be suddenly then, it would just be a case of, oh, I got it wrong. You know, I need to think and, and do it, you know, differently and whatever. But, and I, I wonder, and I wonder what you think about this. I wonder whether, obviously, I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 42. And when I went to school, the world was very different from where I am today. When my parents went to school, the world was very, very different to where it is today. And obviously my daughter's at school and she's just about to move up into the senior part. And and do you think, like when we talk about, in fact, my daughter said to me, and I'm just making sure I say this without dropping anybody's name or something. My daughter said to me that one of her friends, uh, who was a female, a girl, had got a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. And and what was so refreshing was there was no, there was no other conversation about it. It wasn't like she wanted me to explain. It wasn't like there was shock. It wasn't like it was just, you know, yeah, that's that's what it is. And so do you feel like hopefully this generation, you know, coming through or as we start moving up in age that it will just get better and better and better? It's got to shortly. Yes and no, because okay. things get you get adapted and you get inherited from your environments. But what the generations have that I, I'm 30, so I just hit the cusp of not knowing the world about Internet and knowing the world just Internet. So they yeah. fully come up on internet, but you still have a divide of people who don't have access. There are a lot of kids out there who do not have access to the internet. So their level of exposure still goes back to what their parents and their environment is. And yeah. But the, I recently learned that the generation after Gen Z is going to be Gen Alpha, which I found hilarious because I'm like, hold on. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't quite sound right, does it? Um but this is where it goes back into the inclusive marketing. They're just going to be expecting and demanding it. It's going to be a, a common thing. Like for us now, it's a lot of effort to, if a company says they're sustainable, are we really going to go and check? We're going to, we're going yeah. to maybe Google one or two things. But yeah. Gen Z and Gen Alpha are going to be messaging people and asking them, hey, yeah. you just put this out, but X, Y, and Z. Um, there yeah. was a recent clothing company that said they included gender neutral clothing but they still divided their clothing in masculine and feminine. I know male and female. And then their audience was like, hold on, it's not gender neutral. neutral, And they've changed it to masculine, feminine and non-binary in their clothing category. So then that changed, but that was a direct response of people saying, and that's the difference as well with when you get called out as the phrases on social or called out in marketing for not, it's not a, uh, a red ticket for you not to do it again. It's a, yeah. hey, do better. Keep doing it, but yeah. do better. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that people are fearful of getting it wrong. And that is not the reason not to do it. <laughs> like the fearful that someone will go, oh, you've just ticked the box there by having that type of image on your site or by that thing. And it's like, no one's going to think you've just ticked the, ticked the box if there is a consistentness to it, which I love that. But also, it's worse to just not do anything. It's worse to try and just hide and go, I'm so scared of getting this wrong. So I tell you what, I'm just going to bury my head and hope that no one bothers me. And like, like you said, that's what's so, so good about the world is that no one is going, you know, that's it. You're done. You had your one chance. Now you're out of here. It's like, okay, nice try, but can we try a bit harder? And again, going back to that whole thing of, you can't just say you do something if your product service experience doesn't match up to it. You know, the clothing range, that company couldn't say, yeah, we deal for, you know, or we provide clothing for gender neutral when you go into their stores and there's male and there's female. So they they were saying it, but they weren't backing it up with the stuff that they were doing. Yeah. Were they? And I think in companies and businesses, that's now bringing, because we've always had this thing of brand values, but a lot yeah. of times, 
people roll their eyes like we know what it is we say we practice it but we do it in our day-to-day do we show it anywhere else is it anywhere presenting the other thing as well with the generations coming up if your content is not being inclusive and you're not being inclusive with just your services you're losing out on money and that's the other thing you're you're actually leaving money on the table yeah for sure a hundred percent it's been a wonderful conversation. I have loved it. And uh, you've given us an awful lot to think about. Just out of interest before I let you go, and I'm really conscious of your time and how grateful uh, I am for it. Is there anywhere, where should, if, if a business owner is sat there thinking, okay, I need to be more inclusive in my marketing. Is there anything you can point them in the direction of, something they can look, read, watch? What's, what are your thoughts on that? It's still a developing sector because people are still looking at diversity and inclusion solely in the HR department. So there's not a lot out there, but if you just want to learn some basics yourself, there's a course by Salesforce, which is free. And it has oh, some okay. base principles, literally about, you know, when you say family, what do you mean? I'll yeah. send you the link for that course, actually. That's That'd the be amazing. best resource because everything else kind of goes really niche. Like Microsoft has stuff, but it's very much really niche on design and yeah. how to design inclusively. But yeah, that's the best one. Or they can reach out to me. I'm happy to consult and support anyone. Awesome. Well, we will link up to everything in the show notes as always. Joanne, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. That's the same. Thanks for having me. There we go. That was the lovely Joanne. I hope you picked up some great nuggets of advice there. It was really lovely interview to do. Don't forget the Academy is open, but only for a few more days. Go to TeresaHeatherWearing.com forward slash Academy. And I can't wait to welcome you in there with all my other beautiful members. I'll be back next week, as always, with another episode. Until then, have a most wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 